Hey friend, it's Malia J. Hill, your host of Her Faith in Action, a podcast where we teach Christian women how to take the faith, dreams, and visions given by God and translate them into actionable steps. In every episode, we'll learn from courageous women sharing their bold and even scary steps of faith that have propelled them into God's purpose for their lives. So if you're ready to overcome fear, get unstuck, and take action in your life, this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Her Faith in Action podcast. Hi, friends, and welcome to my very first episode of the Her Faith in Action podcast. Today on the show, for my very first episode, I am so excited to welcome Lacey Allison. She is a licensed real estate broker, marketing consultant, minister, and the creator of The Elevated Woman, a community that aims to teach women how to elevate in various aspects of life, including business, family, health, and faith. Lacey, Welcome to the Her Faith in Action podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you. I, I've been thinking about just how we met in the online space. And I just love that we get to connect with so many women online, like have all of these connections, all of these friendships just through this online community, because that's really how you and I got connected was online. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny because when I look at even my friend group right now, a good majority of those women I met online in those like same virtual spaces. And so it's so crazy and interesting how technology really does connect you with people like from various walks of life. Yeah. And I, I think so much like lately, this is totally off topic, but I've been thinking so much about social media and how it can be used as a tool to help and a tool to hurt. But when you use it the right way, it can really be so impactful for building community, building a business, creating relationships. And so I just love that that's how you and I got connected. Yeah, absolutely. So Lacey, I'm going to start with my first question. I want you to tell us a little bit about you. Tell us about what you do and the journey that has led you to start The Elevated Woman. What has that journey looked like for you? Yeah, so I am um, a mom. I have a beautiful, and I call her my little Sour Patch Kid because she is sometimes sweet and sometimes sour, but I love her so much. Um, I'm a mom to a beautiful three-year-old daughter. Um, I am a real estate agent, and I'm a licensed minister. Um, I was in a career of digital marketing. That's where I really started. Um, did about 10 years in digital marketing before I made the pivot to real estate most recently. And I started The Elevated Woman um, about a year ago. Um, but to back up just a little bit, uh, when I was in college, I remember watching a reality television show and it was actually Married to Medicine, which is ironic because now I love Married to Medicine. <laughs> but when I first, when I first watched Married to Medicine, I was not into it at all because the very first episode, if you've seen it, it was doctor, doctors and doctors' wives, and they were fighting on television. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. These are supposed to be professional women. I was like, this cannot be the example that we have for, you know, women in my generation and below. And not only that, of course, you know, that's when 
uh, reality television, you know, got so popular and there were just all these different shows that I felt like did not put women, especially black women in a positive light. And so when I was in college, I started a brand called A Queen with a Dream. And that was my mission was to teach women, you know, to think higher of themselves and to think of themselves as queens. And so that's really where I started in the quote unquote, you know, women's empowerment space is with that brand. And so I had that for a few years and then I decided that it was time to kind of transition into something different. And so I took a couple years to really just pray, think, strategize, and that's where the Elevated Woman came in. Um, I was looking to create a space for women who not only were, you know, entrepreneurs and business owners, but who were moms and just wanted a space to learn how to elevate and be better in every area of their life. So from everything from business to motherhood, um, health, and of course their faith. And so that's how the Elevated Woman was born. I love that. And I love that story, just even you starting that brand and just watching Married to Medicine, because it is so true. There are a lot of spaces that don't highlight women, especially even Black women in a way that shows us in a professional way or shows our faith or our journey or or inspires women to want to call themselves higher rather than gravitate towards unhealthy things like drama or drinking or unhealthy habits or whatever that is for somebody. So I love that journey and how something that you observe turned into something that you created. Um, So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to back up a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about your journey of faith um, and how you came to Christ. Because when I think about, you know, our show is all about faith and action and helping women to put actionable steps towards their faith. But the first big leap of faith that we take is saying yes to this life as a believer, right? So what did that journey look like for you and how has faith played a role in even creating the Elevated Women and getting to where you are? Yeah, so I was um, born and raised in the church. Um, I am a traditional church kid, um, literally lived across the street from my church, and I was raised by my grandma. So if you can picture, you know, growing up in a Southern Missionary Baptist Church, We did everything. Um, My grandma cleaned the church. She worked in the fellowship hall. (laughs) She was the Mm choir, like everything. And she brought me right along with her. So, you know, I am, I was raised like that was my foundation. Um, But it wasn't until I got to college that I feel like I really grew a personal relationship with Christ. Um, So my grandma, you know, she pretty much raised me. She and I were very, very close. She was my best friend. So I left for college um, August 2011. Now, like I said, my grandma did everything. She also worked. Um, she was, she never was sick. You know, she was like one of the most strongest people I knew. She was always helping other people out. So I left for college in in August, 2011 and somewhere between August and, um, like around October, November, my grandma got sick to the point that she couldn't work, which was, you know, not heard of for her. Um, and so in December of 2011, we found out that she had stage four pancreatic cancer, and then she passed away in July of the next year. 
And so that was something that really challenged my faith, I will say, because, you know, I looked at my grandma as like my person, you know, she took care of me. She encouraged me. She taught me so much. And so without her, you know, in my life anymore, I was, I was so lost. Like I was devastated. And so I definitely went through a lot of emotions. I went through every single stage of grief within a few months. Um, I went through a lot of depression and, you know, I found myself saying, okay, God, like I don't have my grandma. And so, yes, I do have other family members, but I feel like the only person that I have now like is you for sure. So that's when I really learned how to, you know, pray and worship and cry and um you know it was it was soon after my grandma passed away that I really got saved. I was baptized, you know, when mm-hmm. I was 14, but it was in college when I really got saved and um, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I just really started to develop my own relationship with Christ. And from there, it has really just been a faith walk and a faith journey, um, just really learning and growing. And I think one of the biggest things that God has been teaching me over the past few years is um, discernment, knowing when to listen to his voice, knowing what his voice sounds like to me, um, knowing when to discern what decisions to make, and then also just learning how to fully depend on him, which that is something that I am still learning towards learning about this day because I am such an independent person. And so, you know, when you think about faith, faith is literally sometimes believing in something that you cannot see. And so if you are a fixer, if you're a doer, if you're an independent person, you know, that is sometimes hard, but that's kind of one of the biggest lessons that God has been teaching me. Yeah. I mean, faith really is like this journey of Christianity is all about faith. You know, like we are believing in faith. We are walking in faith and trying to exemplify that. But I love that story for so many reasons. One, I love that your grandma was a seed planter in your life. Like for you to come back and knowing where to go, who to go to, took somebody saying, I'm going to make sure that my granddaughter's in church with me every day. You saw her serve. You saw her being faithful. And so when she was gone, the Lord brought you back. Like it was like, okay, this is the only place I know how to go to. And so it's so important that we have that anchor and that foundation in Christ because that's where we go to when life gets hard, right? And when things don't go the way that we expected an unexpected life, happens, we have to know where to go and to turn to. And that is Jesus. Another thing that you talked about was um, just learning in this season, how to discern how God speaks to you. And so as we're talking about faith and action, and we're talking about women trying to, because I feel like I talk to a lot of women and that's something that they struggle with. I don't really know what the Lord is calling me to do. I don't really know um, what the Lord is showing me or how he's speaking to me. So I want to first ask you, how does the Lord speak to you? And what does that discernment look like in your life right now? Yeah, so I, I personally believe that knowing 
the voice of God comes with having a relationship with God. I believe that God speaks to everyone differently. And so for some people, he might speak to you more vividly in a dream. Um, For some people, he might constantly send actual people into your life to deliver a message, a prophetic word. Um, And then for some people, you know, you might just literally hear like the voice or feel it in your gut or feel it in your soul. And so for me, I'm a dreamer. Um, I see a lot of things in my dream and I know that that's one way that God speaks to me. But also I feel like, you know, the more that I dig deeper into his word, the more I pray and the more I put myself in a position to actually hear from God, I can literally feel him downloading things into my spirit in my time of worship. And so it's not more so about, you know, thinking about, okay, what does God's voice, you know, sound like more so what does God's voice feel like? Because mm-hmm. for me, it is always a feeling. It's something that I can't get rid of. It's something that I can't shake. It's something I feel in my gut. And a lot of times, sometimes it's something that I don't even want to do. Mm. And which mm. is interesting because <laughs> I have, you know, I've got his God. I know that it's been God telling me something to do. It's like something that I don't want to do, but something that I feel like I have to do. And mm. that's when I know it's the voice of God. Mm, that's really good. So many good things. I feel like when it comes to just discerning the voice of God, I'm a dreamer also, but I love that you talked about a feeling because there is a feeling. And sometimes obviously we have to be careful with like feelings, right? But there's just a piece, like I was trying to describe uh to somebody a couple of weeks ago, how I hear from the voice of God. And I was having a hard time describing it because I know that I hear in dreams. I know that it may be through people or through scripture or through word, but sometimes it is just a knowing. Like it's a knowing because I have an intimacy and a relationship with God that confirms, that speaks, that brings a peace, that brings a settledness and even a conviction, right? Because if we know the word and that's the importance of knowing the word, right? If we know the word, then God will give us conviction. And sometimes it'll be things like you said, that we don't want to do. And that unsettledness that we feel sometimes is what we need to propel us into where we need to go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and I always think back to, you know, when it talks about in the Bible, God is not the author of confusion. And mm-hmm. so if I ever feel, you know, confused about something, um, you know, that's it's either something that I need to pray more about or it's it's not something that's of God. So that always, you know, kind of puts me back in mind too. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about in that regard how you heard from the voice of God, like how you hear from God in terms of creating something. So let's talk about how that journey has looked like for you in creating the Elevated Woman. How did you know that you were called to do this? What did that look like? Because like I said, a lot of women, um, they're unsure where to start and they're unsure, like, what is God telling me to do? How do I discover my calling? Right. And of course our purpose as believers is to be disciples first and foremost. And second, it's how God is going to do that here on earth while you're here. So what did that discovery look like for you to, serve women, like knowing that you want to serve women in this space and in this field, how has that journey unfolded? Yeah. So for me, it was really praying about who has God called me to impact and what am I supposed to 
um, offer them or teach them, right? And so, you know, when I was younger, I had a passion for children's ministry. And so I did a lot in the children's ministry, directing youth choirs and things like that, because in that season, you know, that that's where I was. But as I got older, I had more life experiences and I realized, you know, I believe that I am called to to women into women's ministry because of the experiences and the things that I've gone through. And so when, you know, women ask me the same questions, you know, how do I figure out what am I supposed to do or what God is calling me to do? I always tell them to look at their experiences. Look at their experiences and what have you been through? What is your testimony and who would that testimony resonate with? What gifts do you have? You know, what are things that People are always complimenting you on and telling you you're such a you do such a good job at, and from there you can kind of start to to feel and um, you know think about what your purpose might be, and so that's kind of how I. Um, you know, came up with the Elevated Woman. I had spent so much time learning about business and entrepreneurship. And on the other hand, you know, like I said, I'm a church kid. I have a lot of church friends. And one thing that I also saw um, was that in Christian, um, in the church, there is sometimes a feeling that we cannot make money off of our gifts, I see that a lot for women in ministry. We don't know how to charge for things. We don't know how to ask for what we're worth. Um, we don't know how to have, you know, a proper business structure. And, you know, being in ministry already, being a woman of faith, I wanted to show women how you can, you know, use your gifts, but also build a business, take care of yourself and take care of your family. And so a big part of the elevated woman is teaching women those business strategies and marketing strategies and goal planning and things like that. That is so great. It's just like making me smile on the inside because it's really all about what her faith in action is about is because I've, I've served in ministry for many, many years, worked in ministry and have been a lot around a lot of women in ministry and they have the faith, right? They have the prayers and they know that God is calling them to do more and to do something uncomfortable. But Sometimes we don't do the best job of giving those, giving those women the resources. How do I do this, right? Like, what is my first step and what do I do? And as the Lord has really been speaking to me over the last couple of weeks and preparing for this podcast on what a woman's first action is, he kept bringing me back to knowing your who. Sometimes we focus so much on trying to figure out what to do that we miss out on the who, because it's all about the who. If we're not called to serve somebody, then we just end up doing things that sometimes are not effective because we're not speaking to the right person. And when you know who your who is, then you become a solution for them, right? So you knowing and being so connected with women and then seeing the problems and their pain points, it then allows you to easily figure out what to do. The, the, The what will come, but you have have to get clear on the who, right? So just what has that journey look like for you in just defining who your who is, or what would you tell a woman to do to figure out who they're called to? Yeah. So the journey for me was actually interesting because I was literally just 
kind of minding my business in a sense, living out my life. And I had um, friends or family friends, women, some even older than me, um, reach out to me and say, Lacey, I need you to help me figure out my purpose. I need you to help Mm. me figure out how to monetize my gift. Like, yes, I'm a pastor. Yes, I'm a preacher. You know, yes, I do this. I'm a ministry consultant. But how do I actually turn this into a business? I never advertised. I never said that this is something that I have knowledge about, but it was women somehow, you know, coming to me and asking for this help. And then I realized, you know, after being able to help and assist these women, maybe I should do this for other women. Maybe I should Mm -hmm. turn this into an actual thing and put this into um, an actual community. And then just looking at my my friend group itself and seeing that we are all kind of in the same position of, you know, walking in our purpose or figuring out which way to go or, you know, how to grow a business, but we're all women of faith. And I was like, okay, this is what, this is really what I should do. Mm. That's really good because- it it really is all about really analyzing what comes natural. Like what are people naturally coming to you about? I was just talking to my husband about this last night and how like when you think of somebody in your life, you usually will think of like a theme. So my husband, he's been training in MMA for years. And so everybody knows him in regards to that area, like if he was going to do something, that would probably be it. Like, because it's like people come to you and ask you questions about training and fighting and UFC and all these things. That is your natural niche that when you think of him, that's what you think of. And so it's the same thing with me. I had to start thinking like, okay, women naturally gravitate towards me asking me the same questions about purpose and an organization and taking action and, and habit tracking and planning for your future. And so it was a natural fit. And I have been in seasons where I feel like we can do things, but sometimes there's not a favor in it. There's not like a anointing in it because we're not doing the right thing that we're called to do. So I've done other things. I've been in digital marketing. I've done other things, but there just wasn't a natural grace there that felt, it made me, I always felt like I was trying to force it. Right. And so walking in your divine anointing that, and really seeing like, okay, God, you have given me a natural gift to speak to women about miscarriage or being a single mom, or maybe it's in regards to cooking or health. People naturally ask me a question, questions about these things. That is probably the thing that God wants you to pivot towards and put your energy towards going into this year in your future. Yeah. Yeah. That is so good. And I can say the exact same, you know, I, did journalism. Um, I was a journalism major and my career was mostly in digital marketing. And, you know, yeah, it was good. But for me, I could tell that it was just a job. And for some people, you know, digital marketing may be their calling. But when I'm actually, you know, working with the elevated woman, or if I am just, you know, working one-on-one with a friend or a woman who has come to me about, you know, talking about her purpose or a business, like that's when I really feel like, you know, God's presence and God's favor. And uh, yeah, that is for one way for sure to tell that you're walking in your purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Now, after somebody defines who their who is, let's talk about what action 
they need to take, like what tangible, practical action they can take. So the year is still early on and there are so many women who want to elevate themselves or trying to elevate their lives or trying to step into the calling that God has for them. And one thing I've been binging your content, right? (laughs) So just trying to make sure that I'm prepared. And one thing that you said recently that really stuck with me was to elevate your life this year, you're going to focus on what you can control instead of what you can't control. So how have you learned how to discern between the two and what are some practical examples women can take this year to elevate their life that are within their control? Yeah. So for me, that was literally looking at, you know, what are the things that I have the tools, the resources and the time to actually fix right now? And what are the things that are out of my control? Mm -hmm. And I started looking at things like that because, you know, yes, I am a problem solver. Like I want to figure out what's the problem and how do we fix it? Like immediately. And if I don't have a solution, I will get anxiety. Um, I will feel it physically. I'll get migraines. And so, you know, I got to a point also because I'm a mom, I I don't want to take on any additional stress than being a toddler mom. Um, I was like, you know, I can't worry about the things that I have no control over right now. Right. And so, you know, something as simple as, um, you know, getting an oil change, right? Like that's something that I can tangibly go do. Right. But if I'm thinking about, okay, I want to, you know, move out of my apartment right now, but my lease isn't up. I can't worry about that right now. My lease isn't up for another year. So let's put that kind of like, let's table that and let's not have anxiety over that. Like, let's focus on what we actually can control. And so, I'm always doing kind of like a self-check, a brain check of like, what are the emotions, the feelings and the anxiety that I'm holding on to? And if it's something that I cannot control, I'm just going to give it to God. Honestly, mm-hmm. like it's, it's as simple as that. I'm going to pray over it. I'm going to give it to God. And either God is going to, you know, send me a solution to fix it. He's going to send me resources or he's going to give me peace about the situation. And so for me, it was mostly just about wanting to find peace and add more peace um, into my life. Yeah. It's important that we recognize that there is a part that God plays and then there's a part that we play, right? There are some things that it's just like, okay, God, like you said, I I just, I can't control this. Like, this is up to you. This is all you. If you're waiting on a miracle or you're waiting on God to send an opportunity or, you know, provide even financially, some things are just going to be God. God, I'm going to just trust you (laughs) and I'm going to believe your word. But sometimes we'd be waiting on God and God is waiting on us. Like I, even this year, God convicted me. Well, not this year, it's 2024, 2023. God was convicting me so much about how much time I was spending praying about, you know, getting answers and getting clarity and, you know, really trying to understand like, what am I supposed to do? Blah, 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 blah. And God convicted me so much one day. It was like, you are asking for things, but you're not aligning your actions with what you say you want. So I, I'm, I want to hear from God and I want to get clarity and I want to get vision. But at the time, my life was really noisy. I wasn't 
consecrating myself. I wasn't silencing. I wasn't quieting out the noise. I was not even spending a lot of quality time with God. And so I felt convicted. I was like, okay, I need to, I went on like a no stream month where I didn't watch TV or wasn't on social media or anything, but that was the action that I needed to take to see the fruit of what I had been praying for. So there's this like balance, like you say, where it's like, we got to let God do the things that only God can do, but we have to know what things God is like, you can really do that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I love the title of your podcast, Faith in Action, because that is something that I'm working on this year. I said that this year was going to be the year of action or the year of execution, because a lot of times, you know, we spend so much time doing research or praying and thinking and, you know, but we don't actually put our faith or our knowledge like into action. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the Bible says that faith without works is dead. So we can't just have the faith and not do the work. Right. I read a book recently that said, you know, there was mostly two types of people in this world. And one type um, does all the research, they get all of the knowledge and, you know, they delay themselves in putting that into action. And then there's another type of person who, you know, immediately just goes out and they run for it and they don't have as much knowledge, but they're just, you know, they're, they're just going for it. And the book said that both of those people are wrong, right? Mm. The book said that the person who is usually the most successful takes a little bit of time to study and then they go put it in action. They come back and study and learn some more and then they put it, it's a balance. And so, Mm. you know, you can't be the person who just sits and reads all the blogs and listens to the podcast and, you know, does the courses without putting it into action. But you also can't be the person that just goes out there, you know, with no knowledge at all. You really do have to take those steps to learn, but also go out and put into practice what you are learning. Yeah, that is so good. I I love that because I I feel like sometimes we use the waiting Mm. as procrastination. Like it's Mm. like, we're like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm still like trying to get my vibe. I'm still researching. I'm just reading. I'm just trying to pray about it. And there are seasons of waiting, right? But most of the time it's just procrastination. And it's really that procrastination from my experience has really been based around fear. Mm -hmm. There is some lie that I am believing that is making me not actually, I know the knowledge, but I won't actually do the thing. I won't actually take the step. So I want to talk to you about a time when God called you to do something that was very scary, an uncomfortable step, an uncomfortable action, and you have felt fear around it. How did you overcome the fear to actually decide, okay, I need to take action on this? Yeah. So I love that question. Um, The biggest thing that I can think about is actually going into ministry. So I grew up um, in a missionary Baptist um, association. So our association was kind of structured like a district if you are, you know, Kojic or apostolic. Um, And so within our association, there were no women preachers. Women were not allowed to have um, a ministry title. We weren't even allowed to be in the pulpit unless we were cleaning it. And so that's the type of environment that I grew up in. Wow. You know, from the time literally that I was born up until I left for college. Um, and when I went to college, um, you know, I went to a couple of different churches, started out in Baptist and then 
Um, I went to a Pentecostal church, non-denominational. And so um, around the time of my junior or senior year in college, I was starting to feel the call into ministry. And obviously I was scared because I had not personally known any woman in ministry. I had seen like a couple here and there in different denominations um, in my hometown, but none that I actually grew up with, none that I you know, was familiar with or that I was close with. And so I didn't know what it looked like to be a woman in ministry. And so that was around 2014. Um, And so around 2015, 2016, I ended up moving back to my hometown. And when I moved back to my hometown, instead of going back to my home church, um, I joined a non-denominational church. And it was then that I approached my pastor and told him that I, you know, felt the call into ministry. That was literally two years, two years from the time that I felt God calling me into ministry until the time that I actually accepted the call. And I was terrified because again, like I did not know what that looked like. I knew that it was very serious. I knew that I didn't want to just say it, especially if God wasn't really like, I wanted to make sure that, you know, God was really calling me into ministry. And so it really just got to a point where I was like, I cannot ignore this anymore. Like, this is almost like an everyday thing. Like, I literally almost felt like God was beating on my door and telling me, Lacey, you are supposed to preach the gospel. And it got to a point where I just couldn't ignore it. And so um, once, honestly, once I accepted it and once I, you know, almost became okay with it and I actually went to my pastor from there, it was like a weight was lifted off my shoulder. And it's something that I realized is like, God really just wants a yes from us. You know, we experience so much anxiety sometimes over different situations, um, you know, over things that we're called to do, but God, God just wants a yes. And after I gave God that yes, I felt so much peace. I was thinking that the hardest part was going to be, you know, after I actually accepted the call, but the hardest part really was leading Mm -hmm. up to accepting the call because after I accepted the call, I'm putting my life, I'm putting my heart, my mind, everything into God's hands. And when we put ourselves into God's hands, it's not not going to be anything but peace. Yeah. It's like you said before, not that you're in confusion, but I mm-hmm. almost imagine like when you're in that waiting, you're in a gray space, mm-hmm. right? Because you know, God is telling you to do something, but you're like going back and forth with yourself. Like, did God really tell me to do that? Yes. Is that me? <laughs> like, who, like, like I have done that in decisions that I've had to make. Even my decision this year and the last year to transition from my job to start my business, there was months where I just went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth because I – I was afraid of committing. I was afraid of making the wrong decision. And I was afraid of just not knowing what that was going to look like. And like you said, sometimes you look at your life and you're like, nobody else has the same path, right? So you begin to compare yourself and you start saying, well, you start looking for like the perfect model of a person who Mm -hmm. has done this and has success. So it can make you feel more confident and like moving forward. And your path is so unique that 
it's going to be a faith decision. It's going to be a decision of God saying, no, there, there may not be any other examples. You are going to be the example. So with comparison, how can, or how did comparison even distract you from saying yes to the, to the, to that call? Yeah. Comparison, honestly, not even just with going into ministry, comparison has honestly crippled me so many times in my life, right? Because when you are, you know, in this age of social media, it is so easy to see what other people are doing, what they are accomplishing, um, you know, the places that they are going. And it's so easy to look at what they're doing and compare Mm -hmm. yourself to them. But I always say that social media tells just one side of the story. You know, most people are only going to post their highs in life. And so I try to really keep that in mind. But I also just try to remind myself, what does the Bible say about me? What does the Bible say about Lacey? You know, the it, it literally gives us the blueprint for how we should feel about ourselves. You know, God has called us to be the head and not the tail. He has said that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and we are made in his image. And so, you know, I try not to look at other people um, for comparison, but I try to look at, you know, who does God want me to be? What does God want me to do? What does he want me to say? And it's an everyday thing to really try to push out those other voices and try to push out that feeling of comparison. But once you stop comparing yourself to other people and really walk in your purpose and in your assignment, it's such a beautiful piece that comes along with that. Yeah, it is that. Yeah, that's really good because comparison, like it can really eat away at you. Mm -hmm. And when you are feeling like you you're unsure and you're comparing yourself to people, it is so important to know the word of God yes. because the word of God is what we go back to, to say, okay, this is what I'm thinking about myself. But the truth is, if I really believe this word and mm-hmm. Lord, I really believe that you are a God of truth and what you say about me is true, then I have to go back to your word and say, what does you and say to myself? What does the word say about yeah. me? And God says that we are masterpieces and God says all these amazing things about us that we have to be able, we got to like even writing those things down yeah. and hanging them up. Like I've had to do that where I'm like, okay, no, Malia, like you can do this. God is with you. You are great. Like he is with, like you are redeemed and you are a masterpiece in Christ and fearfully and wonderfully made all of the things that God says about us. You have to be able to pull that knowledge to say, okay, this is who God says I, who God says I am and Mm -hmm. I am uniquely made. And I don't have to try to force myself to be like somebody else in order to be worthy and to be enough. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's that it's so important to, you know, have the word implanted in your heart because in those moments of comparison, you know, you can draw from those, those, the word of God and you Mm -hmm. can remind yourself, you know, what God says about you. Yeah. Yeah. So my last question I want to really dive into is about heart and loss Mm. because I was listening to your content and you're really diving into heartache and loss and grief. And one thing I really love and admire about you and your content is your vulnerability and your authenticity and how you show up, like you said, even not just in the highs, but also in the lows. Mm -hmm. And even in the midst of like, I know you share even on your platform, just the last couple of years have been very hard for you. 
one thing about Lacey is Lacey though is gonna show up. Like she's gonna <laughs> get back up. Like I've never seen you not show up, even from afar. I'm not in your personal life, right? And I know we all have those days where we don't want to show up. But from afar, I feel like no matter what you have been through, you have shown up and tried to remain faithful to the promises God has shown you, even when you don't see the fruit of it. And even when your reality says the opposite. So for that woman, who's also in that season, when weariness and doubt start to come, how do we sustain our faith? How do we sustain our trust in God? And how do we keep going and showing up? Yeah. So I think one thing that's really important is to understand that when you are in those moments where you are completely broken, you don't know what to do, you have so many problems and issues, you know, hitting you from every angle, go to God. And I know that's so simple, but I had a moment last year when I realized like I have not been giving God all of me, right? I think sometimes we have in our mind that you know, we can't ask God the hard questions. We can't, you know, we can't come to him with confusion. But I literally gave God every single piece of me, even the parts that were broken. Like I told God how frustrated I was, how angry I was, how hurt I was. And once I really, um, you know, cried out to God and I admitted that I was feeling that way, that's when I made room for him to come in and pick up those pieces and pick up those broken pieces. And so, you know, I honestly hear that all the time. People say that I just don't stop or, you know, I get back up and I keep going. And I do have my days where, um, you know, it's hard and I have to push just a little bit harder. But I always tell myself, like, what's the alternative? Like what, what other option do I have? You know, like I, I know what God has shown me and not only that, like I've seen how he's worked in my life in the past. Mm -hmm. And so if he showed me something that he was going to do in the past and then he did it, what makes me think that he's not going to do it again? God is not a God that he is going to lie. He has never made a promise that has not been fulfilled. And so whether that promise is going to be fulfilled in the next week, in the next month, in the next few years, I know it's going to happen. But it's just a matter, matter of having that faith and just praying. And in those moments where it's like we're between the promise you know, and the promise being fulfilled, that waiting area, it's so important to cling to the word of God. Like yeah. it's so important. Like my heart honestly has been broken so many times over the past few years. And that's the only thing that I knew um, how to do. I had to cling to the word of God and I had to allow God, like really allow God to come in and fix all of these broken pieces. So it's like, okay, even if even if God does not, you know, do what I've asked or what I've prayed for, even if he doesn't come in in this moment, like the biggest thing for me is having that peace, right? Mm -hmm. Having that peace in my soul. Like I, as someone who's like struggled with depression over the past few years, like I know what it feels like to be in a place where, you know, it's dark and it hurts and you're crying. And so when you experience the peace of like the true peace of God, for me, that makes me say, God, if you don't do anything else, mm. if you don't do anything else, keep our heart at peace. And yeah. that has been my prayer. 
Yeah, that is so good. And I just feel like the theme of everything is you have to know the word because you have to have that word to carry you through the hard days, the great days, the ups and the downs. It's the only thing that is going to be able to sustain you. And it's the only thing that is going to help you to get back up. And the promise of God, even knowing the the promise that he has for you, for Mm -hmm. Lacey, being able to say on my hardest day, okay, I know what you said. Yeah. I know what you promised me. I know what you've shown me. I know who you've called me to. And so that has to be the motivator that gets us back up. I think all I really be thinking about this. I'd be like, I really don't know how people be going through this life without God. Me because either. like what are we holding on to as hope? Like, what are we looking forward to? You know, like I think about just the past and before I was saved the things I would turn to and the way that I numb myself, the way I wasn't honest with myself, the way that I turned to all the wrong things. And I thought that they were going to give me peace, but they were all just a numbing. Mm -hmm. They were all just a pushing away, you know, honesty with myself and the pain that I was actually in. And so for me, I'm like, I just think that even in people taking these extraordinary steps of faith, the most important first step that we can take is saying yes to Jesus and being in his word and having relationship with him. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, over the past couple years, um, that's, I mean, that's, that's really where I've been at. And even, even recently, I had to take a step, a look back and say, okay, God, like I've been chasing my goals really hard. I've been chasing after, you know, other things that I thought that you wanted me to do. But, you know, in this season, like, I just want to chase after you. Like, I I can't do life without you. Like, I know what it feels like to to not necessarily be in the will of God. And I think that's something that we don't really talk a lot about. Um, I was studying the book of Hosea um, a while ago. And, you know, it talked about how we can be in relationship with God, but lose that intimacy with God. Mm. And so God is never going to separate himself from us. We can never, you know, go too far to where God is, God is separated, but we can lose that intimacy over things that we have, you know, done over sin, over just not even following his voice or doing what he's asked of us to do. And so, really the starting point, even for me going into this year, I was like, okay, God, like, you know, I, I don't know what's next for me as far as career wise or business wise, but I don't want to lose that intimacy with God again. And when you are in that intimacy, when you have that close relationship with him, it just makes a world of difference. Yeah. Everything becomes way easier. Like there's a natural flow. I have been in seasons, even when I was in church, like, well, obviously I'm still in church, but like seasons where I'm doing all the right things and I'm showing up and I'm being a Christian, but my intimacy with God isn't there. My own devotion has not been there. And in this season of pivoting and starting my business and starting this podcast, I have had to depend on God in such a new way that I'm like, it's just me and you. 
Mm-hmm. Like we're in this together. <laughs> like I need you and my my daily devotion, my one-on-one time with him because I'm like, God, I want you to be the CEO of everything I do. Yeah. I want you to lead me. Like I don't want to do anything that you're not calling me to do. And I I know in order to do that, I have to be so connected to him. And when I am, there's just a divine anointing. There's a divine ease. There's just a peace that I have been in other seasons and and just felt everything just felt kind of forced, you know, mm-hmm. and just there's things are just not flowing. And I just think that like, like you said, that there is such a difference in knowing God and doing the things of God and having an intimacy with God. That is the most important thing that we could do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that as Christians, sometimes it's so easy for us to like look at, you know, the things that we are doing as far as service in church, but we kind of miss, you know, how our, how is our heart posture, right? Are we doing this because we want to stay in, you know, God's good graces, or are we doing this because, you know, we think that it's something that will please him or make him happy, or are we doing it because it is our heart's desire to please Mm -hmm. God? I'm not going to go too much longer because I know we got to wrap up. But one thing you said, oh my gosh, the importance of knowing that we don't, even though we have to put in action in our faith, mm-hmm. I'm a doer and I am going to do something. Okay. I'm going to put in the action. I'm going to put in the work, but I also have to remind myself that I cannot work my way mm. to pleasing God. God, I I really I had a moment last month where God really convicted me. If I didn't do another thing, nothing. I did nothing. Malia. God, would you still be proud of me? Would you still love me? And the answer was yes. Yeah. But for me, I have a hard time believing that. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, Malia, I don't think you believe that. I don't think you believe that that is truth. I think you think that there's still a piece of your works that is making you be pleasing in God's sight. And I had to rebuke that lie and ask for forgiveness and not believing the ultimate love of Christ. It's a love that we cannot imagine because people are not like that. We are not like that with others. Yeah. If if somebody in your family, your spouse or your child or something, like if they really didn't do nothing else, like they ain't going to do nothing. <laughs> I mean, you know, you kind of get on my nerves. Like, you know, you we start, you know, just looking at them different, like all of the things. But God, he just sees us with the same love every single day, time and time again, forever from the beginning to the end. And that love is a love that we have to really learn to believe in order to increase our intimacy with God and really know what he says about us as daughters of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, as women, sometimes it is hard for us to remember that, Um, you know, but that just goes back to being in the word of God and, you know, and and affirming ourselves because, you know, we, most of, most women, like we're doers and we're fixers, you know, like you said, like we're going to do something, but like knowing that God loves me, loves Lacey, not, not Lacey, the digital marketer, not Lacey, the real estate agent, not Lacey, the creator, like God loves me at my core, Like that is such a beautiful thing. Yeah, that is so beautiful. Such a great way to end this amazing podcast. (laughs) I want to finish with one thing. Is there a resource, a book, a podcast that you recommend that in their every Christian woman's journey of they're trying to elevate their life, they're trying to learn to see themselves the way that God sees them, they're trying to um, really 
grow in their identity in Christ, what is that thing? What is that one resource you would recommend? So I recommend everyone read The Purpose Driven Life. Um, I read it a couple years ago and it was, it had so many good nuggets in it um, that I still apply to my life to this day. So if you're looking for like a good resource, um, you know, it talks about purpose and kind of incorporates the word of God. Like I would definitely recommend The Purpose Driven Life. It's a book? Yes. Okay, cool. Awesome. And I'll make sure to link that in the description also. Finally, for our listeners who resonate with their story and want to connect with you personally, work with you, learn more about you, how can they follow your journey? Yeah, so you guys can follow me um, at The Elevated Woman on Instagram, and I'm also on YouTube as The Elevated Woman. Amazing. Lacey, thank you so much. This has been so amazing. I pray that this be impactful to so many women. Thank you for your gift. Thank you for your yes. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Her Faith in Action podcast. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Her Faith in Action podcast. Our prayer is that this episode didn't just inspire you, but also gave you the tools you need to turn your faith into action. And I'd love to stay connected with you, answer your questions, and help you in your journey. So go ahead and follow us at Her Faith in Action on Instagram and follow me directly at Malia J. Hill. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, would you consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts? It will allow us to reach more women all over the world. Thanks again and can't wait until next time.